welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, this week, is there an is there an episode that is more based on my interests than this week's episode? I honestly am not sure. I don't know. Uh, this week, we're going to sit down and talk with my friend, Seth Carroll. Um, and Seth's going to talk about all these amazing things that I really enjoy and love. So at first, he's going to talk about an adventure in the Minnesotan North. I don't know if that's what Minnesota people call it, but the northern part of Minnesota in the boundary waters uh, that he had. And it's going to be about a misadventure, which is something that I love. And I kind of get a laugh at at his own uh, misery and suffering. And, uh, you know, which is always just entertaining to me. It's, I don't know how else to put it. It's like an entertaining part of adventure. Um, then we're going to talk about his experience running his very first marathon, uh, which was last year at the Colfax Marathon here in Denver, Colorado. Um, and Seth's story and the way he tells it is so relatable um, for anybody who has taken on a marathon or a big event that they've trained for a long time uh to do like this is a this is a very relatable um experience that seth had and i loved his story and i loved hearing about it and really there's something about doing one of these big races for the very first time that is just something that will always stick with you and the good moments and the bad moments and the funny moments and the emotional moments like that's all a part of this weird conglomeration of running a marathon you know and running uh, a giant uh a race you know so uh super cool love that story and then finally we dive in and talk about rugby which i could talk about forever i love rugby and um really enjoyed hearing seth's experiences in that sport um so like i said this might be the most like a big footy like a bigfoot episode of all time um and i'm very proud of it and it was awesome and hilarious and i hope you guys enjoy the episode as well hopefully uh seth goes out and inspires you to take on your own big adventure big event or or just be okay with like laughing in the face of a misadventure sometimes you know because it's gonna happen that's the part about this whole thing that i love is you never really know what to expect so when you go out and you start canoeing in on a beautiful day a beautiful minnesotan day uh and all of a sudden you're in the middle of the lake and the weather starts turning i mean sometimes all you can do is is just laugh in the face of the storm so uh yeah let's get right into it this is like a bigfoot podcast Number 311 with Seth Carroll. All right. I am very excited to be joined. Seth, I don't know if you know this. You're the second sixth grade teacher at, at my school that I've brought on the podcast this who's, year. Who's the first? Uh, Spraker. Oh, for climbing yeah. Mount Kim- <laughs> Kilimanjaro. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't know what it says about me. I'm like... <laughs> trying to go through Try, everybody. Trying to think who yeah, Spraker's way more tough than I am as far as that that, that goes. My so. goal is to get the full set of teachers at some point. That's so awesome. So I've had Cornet or or maybe I shouldn't have said our school name. 
I'll bleep that. I'll bleep that out. That's okay. I've had Cornejo on at some point. Nice. And that was awesome. Nice. But, uh, but yeah, man, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Yeah, dude. I know. So our kids are upstairs currently sneaking down the stairs as we speak. Mm -hmm. And I had a feeling me and you are going to be like, Will Ferrell, get off the shed. Oh, at 100%. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm going to I'm gonna have you guys be a buddy and go up the stairs. Oh, yeah, you can watch something. It's okay. My, my daughter is horribly disappointed to know that this is not going to be on television. So, uh, yeah, it's all good. So we'll, we'll see. It was a great hype up uh, in the car ride over here. Like, Dad, are you going to be on TV? No, it's a podcast. Oh. I, I felt so incredibly just like I was stoked and just leave it to a seven-year-old to cut the legs out from under you. That's so. what they do, man. They bring our egos down. 100%. She's like, I'm so excited. And then she just looks at where we're recording, which is just in my basement. Yeah. Like usually we do these outside mm -hmm. on the porch, but it's starting to snow now. So I'm like, we're gonna invite him into our basement. Let's so it'll, be, it. it'll all be good. All right, man. All right, so I have three topics that I want to talk to you about, and you can choose the order, right? Awesome. So I have first marathon, okay, which is gonna be big, and I'm hearing my kids. So hold on. All right, back down from dad mediation number one. Dad, dad mediation number one, yeah. About which show to watch. Hey, you know, sometimes you just gotta, you gotta figure it out. It's all, right. all good. All right, so here's your topics. I want to talk about all of them at some point. Okay. Um, I definitely want to hear about first marathon. I think that's probably going to be the main thing. For sure. That I want to hear about. Um, but I also want to hear about rugby. Okay. Because I just want an excuse to talk about rugby. 100%. Okay. Yes. And then I want you to tell the story about your trip to the Boundary Waters. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. You get right. to choose. Your choice. I'll, uh, I'll start with uh, Boundary Waters. Uh, yes. just cause, and we'll, then we'll do sports and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, because it kind of ties in. You're from Minnesota. You're a Minnesotan. Yep. Born and raised in Minnesota. I, I moved out to Colorado when I was uh, uh, right before I was 19. And like everybody else, never left because Minnesota winters are atrocious. Um, but no, I grew up canoeing. I grew up camping. I grew up just being outside. That was a huge factor in my life growing up and kind of why I even moved to Colorado. But one of the things my dad did when he was younger was he and his buddies, he went to the University of Minnesota. They would go on these like month long canoe trips yeah. to Canada, like deep woods, Canada and the boundary waters. And he got us hooked on that. And so I remember our first trip when we were 12 with my brother and his college roommates and the guys that he went on and we, we did this great trip. And at that time, I feel like every time I've been in the Boundary Waters, something happens. Mm -hmm. That time when I was a kid, I got attacked by a wasp's nest when I was, <laughs> when we were portaging. My dad hit a wasp's nest with, with the canoe and I was behind carrying two um, big bags, like the, the Duluth pack bags and started, my dad's like, all I heard was shrieking and you were being swarmed. I threw the canoe and we I eventually just like, we ran into the water. So it was kind Did of one of those crazy things. Oh you... yeah, whole bunch. So what do you do? Like you're out in the middle of nowhere. Like Ind endure. I mean, it, it, like, I mean, it's kind of one of those things. I found out I wasn't allergic. Uh, and it was literally, my dad picked me up. I was like 12 and it's the fastest I've ever seen him move. Yeah. And we just, he dunked me in the water and he was just like, stay down. Like kind of one of those things. But um, a few years ago, like in col after college, my roommates and I, we would do these big trips and we always would go backpacking. We've done Yosemite and Grand Tetons. And I decided, hey, 
let's get these mountain boys into the boundary yeah. waters. And so my brother came with, cause my brother is uh, an excellent canoeer, a really good paddler. And I remember right before we left, my dad, we put out, we went up the Gunflint Trail. We were in Grand Marais, Minnesota. And we went out, we were at the very end of the Gunflint Trail. Um, and I remember my dad saying, don't get stuck on Big Sag in a storm. And Big Sag is this massive lake in the Boundary Waters, like right kind of where the Boundary Waters and civilization meet. And so we started our paddle. And, and you're, of course, like, no, of course we won't. Ah, what's going to happen? Yeah. We're not wearing our life vests while we're canoeing. We're just, the hubris was uh, <laughs> rampant, to say the least. Um, but, you know, long story short, we're paddling and you see the weather getting bad. And, like, literally the calm before the storm where you're on this, like, massive lake and it is glass. And I had the dumb idea. I was like, there's a boat. Let's go talk to the boat because we got turned around and... This was like two hours into our first day. And long story short, it the storms opened up and we had to make an emergency landing on this tiny little island. And my brother and the guy he was with, there were three, three canoes. So two of the canoes get on this little island and my buddy from Texas and I, his name's Andrew, we got stuck in what's called the trough where we were perpendicular going in the mm. worst spot. And we had, you know, nothing crazy, but it was, well, it was crazy in a canoe. The white caps were about two feet in a canoe that's horrible. And the whole time I just hear my dad go, don't get stuck on big sag in a storm. And so finally with whatever powers may be, I, I, I mean, it was a true like death in the face situation where I was like, oh my gosh, we got the canoe out of the trough and we started hauling to, to this little island. And I remember we ran aground. I didn't even care about the canoe. I jumped out of the canoe, completely abandoned it. And my buddy got out and I remember we, we made an emergency shelter out of our canoes and all this other stuff. And I remember just sitting in silence and my buddy Andrew and I were just staring at each other while we were drinking tea. <laughs> and it, it, the storms were open. It was just kind of one of those things. And like, I'm sitting there and my wife was pregnant at the time. I was not wearing a life vest. I was in hundreds of feet of water. It was the dumbest things that you could buy. Everything, what not to do, we did like morons. And... Um, but thankfully we got through, but that trip was a true test of endurance. And so like it rained for four days straight, um, three or four days. I can't remember, but I, I remember we were just canoeing and there was a night we'd spent six hours to build a fire, oh everybody taking turns and all this other. And then on the last day, we find this like little peninsula campsite and the sun opens up and we like, we joke that the pictures make us look like we're homeless camping because everything is spread out drying and all of us are just sitting in our own individual spots. Like we're all away from each other, not talking, staring at nothing. <laughs> and like, we're all like shirtless in our boxers because we've been wet for like three, four days and people can do by and they're like, hey, this looks like a great campsite. And then they look and see us <laughs> and we're all sitting there just like silently drinking, just like being like, what happened? And then they're like, let's go find another campsite. And then that night, I will never forget the level of tired. Of course, a friend bring, forgets to bring his tent. So there are three of us in a two-person tent. One of the nights, I put the rain flap on backwards. So wet tent, which was great. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I, hear my, I wake up, and I'm in the middle. And I hear, two, I hear my brother, who's older than me. And he's, he just I hear him go, yeah, bear. Yeah, yeah, bear. Yeah. And we're, I'm like come on <laughs> there can't be a bear yeah there can't be a bear 
And all of a sudden, I hear my buddy Andrew and my brother go, hey, guys, I think there's a bear. Does somebody have the bell and the bear spray? And they said, because on the side of me was my buddy Dan, that the zipper opened up just for enough for a hand to come through, in which a bell and a flashlight were dropped, bear mace was dropped, and then the tent was (laughs) zipped back up. And basically, my brother goes, okay, I guess we've got this. And so for like 20 minutes, we just hear the bell and my brother just going, yeah, bear, yeah, bear, be gone, bear. Yeah. And so you shall not pass bear. You shall not pass bear. And of course we were so tired and exhausted at that point. It was just kind of like, if the bear eats us, well, at least I'm in the middle. So hopefully somebody else, one of the two sides for me will get, uh, get taken. But, and then, you know, we, we paddle through and like, true siblings my brother and i were canoeing together on the last day and of course even though we're in our late 20s at that point still managed to find a childish bickering Uh nonsense issue uh that and surviving a bear uh, and rain didn't bring you to a point where you're like we don't need to argue anymore oh as i I just saw with my own children yeah Oh, not at all. Not going to happen. Siblings can have your back and they know how to drive you absolutely nuts. And my brother threatened to put a canoe paddle into the back of my head. So it was one (laughs) of those things where, you know, it is. But that said, I still love it. Like people have asked me, like, go back to the Bondi Waters. I go, yeah, wear a life jacket. (laughs) And but it is. It's a level of camping and it's a level of toughness where it's like you're hiking, you're canoeing, you're paddling, you're. You, if you don't know where you're going, you've got to have a map and know how to use a compass and all those things. So it, it it's it's unbelievable. And I've, I, I've, I haven't been to the Boundary Waters a ton, but it is still all of my friends look back. Like I said, we hiked massive peaks in Yosemite and the Tetons and yeah. Arizona and Bryce Canyon and yeah. Silverton, all these places. That was the scariest I've ever been in nature. You're- and I've done some dumb things so you're like sitting there in a rainstorm looking at your friend drinking tea day one and you're probably just like so bet you wish we were back in the mountains huh there is that and there is definitely that my brother at one point just goes don't get caught in a storm on big sag and that's literally the joke now is didn't you say you didn't tell your dad for a while Mm -hmm. you were just like he was like asking you about the trip and you're like yeah it was good it was fine we said nothing and then i think like a year later at christmas after quite a few libations um all of a sudden it came up in conversation i go i almost died on big sag and he was like what and i go we got caught on a storm i didn't have my life jacket and he, he just shakes his head at me like you're an idiot but this is also the guy who has a news article that i have from the 70s because he and his roommate traveled so far in Canada and they had to be airlifted out because a polar bear raided their camp. What? Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where like, I kind of laugh. I go, remember when you uh, had to deal with that polar bear? Cause he didn't put your food away below the Arctic circle. <laughs> and he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that's what happened. And I was just like, you guys did something dumb, but there are pictures in the news article, just these two bearded giant bearded idiots. Just like, <laughs> Hey, it's all good guys that's so, how i imagine most news like in minnesota like northern minnesota is just like awesome guys with beards who just did something dumb yeah that's know? that's I, I, i'm not gonna lie i can't grow a beard but i definitely fall in the, but the like dumb they, category they did something dumb but it all works out oh yeah it, like, I, mean, hey, I did something dumb but then i caught 20 walleyes oh and, and you're you like know, oh 
we had a wonderful fish fry <laughs> and you know uh, my mom she uh she brought up some uh oh God, what's the beer i always forget in minnesota some hams and uh you know we just we made it work it was all right so <laughs> And then we the went polar the bear came down, but we made it work. It's okay. It was fine. <laughs> we had plenty of walleye. It was good. So yeah, like I said, Boundary Waters, crazy. If you go there, just don't know be as dumb you're... as my friends. Well, dude, it's like I mean, from what I mean, I've been up there in that area. I love. We go fishing in yeah. Canada and like Ontario and stuff. Yep. But Boundary Waters is there's no motors in. Like, None. It's not. You can't motorize. You can't snowmobile in the winter. You can't boat in the summer yep and it you know you're you're on your own it's remote yep. too. i mean if you unless you have an emergency beacon which most people don't yeah if it goes south yeah they're not gonna know for That's insane, days dude. They, they basically keep track of like how long your permit is and if you don't show up the day that your permit they gave you like 24 hours and then it's like okay let's go find a needle in a stack of needles right now like it's that's it's what I always tough. imagined. Did you ever watch the, the movie Hatchet when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. So they showed that movie to my elementary school yeah. every year for some reason. Yeah. And I don't know why. Because it's kind of like an intense movie. Super intense. Like, do you remember he goes back in the plane? Like, his plane crashes. Mm-hmm. He survives because he has a hatchet. Yeah. Hence the name. Yep. And he goes back at one point into the plane. He swims into the lake. Yep. And this scene is scarred in my brain. 100%. And he sees the pilot's body floating yep. in the water. Yep. And he turns his head and his eyeball is like outside of his head. Yeah. PG. Yeah. Oh, I, that <laughs> Let's was, show that to thir- third graders. <laughs> that was standard reading, like <laughs> curriculum reading in Minnesota growing up. Because the author is something Larson, I think. I want to oh. say, say Gary Dude, Larson, but that's the far side. It's Gary Paulson. Paulson. Yeah. There we but, go. Dude, he wrote a book call i can't i have it upstairs i'll give it to you but it's about him as like an author like as himself yeah uh doing the iditarod in his it's an awesome book and then i was like man i wish i could have been i don't know if he's i think he passed away i think that was a recent thing because yeah yeah because i remember being like he would be a cool interview on the podcast somehow some way and Uh then i read that and i was like ah Uh, yeah he he! I remember reading his books as a kid, just being absolutely infatuated yeah. with, with that story, with Hatchet in particular. But yeah, that. But was, that's always what I imagined was like the uh, Boundary Water area. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It. I mean, it's similar when you w- once you get that north and you're in Lake Country. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, yeah, you, I can't there. even fathom because you know, growing up in Minnesota, we learned about the voyageurs. Yeah, and all of like you know that was. I, I remember being taught voyageur like rowing songs to take your mind off of the pain because you're paddling and you've never done it before and all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, it's, it's, I'm more comfortable on a 14,000 peak or 14,000 foot peak skiing (laughs) in whiteout conditions than I am sitting in a canoe or I, been getting stuck on big sag. Yeah. I'll just put it that way. So yeah. So that that's, oh, that's those are my boundary one. water shenanigans for sure. So yeah. um I want to hear about your first marathon. I remember we were gonna do this all summer. Yeah. I was like, Seth needs you need to come over so we can hear about your marathon. So now it's like n- near past, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. It was last May. You're a social studies teacher. Yep. Is near past a word? We're gonna go with it. Okay. It's near okay. Past. Sometimes so last May it was the uh, Colfax mm-hmm. Marathon in Denver. Yep. All right. I want to hear about it, man. I want to hear about all of it. 
I, I joke. I remember when you and I were talking about originally doing this, I was kind of like, you know, I think about all of the, um, I don't know if I can swear. So I'll go with BA, some, some really uh, tough people, if you will. Um, on your podcast, I laugh when I was like, cause I've told you before, I grew up across the street from like Courtney Dewalter and like, she's just, she's insane. We weren't friends or anything like that, but it was just like, <laughs> I, you know, you her, knew of her before she was Courtney Dewalter. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it was one of those things where I, I laugh cause I've listened to your podcast and everything like that. And I just kind of go, Oh, it's going to be like the every man's marathon experience on the first time, but it's I, all good, man. It's, it's all oh, good. Wait, hold on. That's a great title. Yeah. The every man's marathon experience. Or right just keep on, yeah, you know, chubbing along if you will. I don't know <laughs> if that works just like in the sense of like, you know, not a little guy. I'm, I'm, I'm husky if Ch- you will. Chubbing along. Chubbing along. With Seth Carroll. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, an every man's marathon chubbing along with Seth Carroll. There you go. <laughs> Wouldn't, wouldn't work without me being self-deprecating in some way. But no, I, I, I grew up running. Um, I shouldn't have ever been a runner. I should have played football. I was the size of an ox for a long time. And eighth grade came around. I was done playing soccer. My brother, who's just like, he and I laugh uh, together because we're like, we're the two people that when you look at it in their cross country uniforms, you're like, you guys should not be running. Like kind of want to be like, you guys are big. Like not saying that big people can't run by any means, but it was something I just fell in love with as far as running is going. And so I always told myself, I want to run a marathon. I want to run a marathon and blew out my knee and all these surgeries. Then finally I just kind of got a craw on my side um, through an email at work where they go, Hey, if you're going to run the Colfax marathon, we'll uh, take like 80 bucks off of your fee. (laughs) And I was like, done. Like, and that's kind of got me going. And so I started training and it was, I think I really started the serious training like 10 or 12 weeks before. And man, was that as difficult as the actual race. And you and I have talked as far as like just keeping motivated and you and I cracked up a little bit in the hallways at school one time where I was kind of like, I had a complete meltdown during the middle of the training. I was like, I, mean, I can't do it. <laughs> I can't, I, I'd, I'd ran a half marathon under two hours and I thought I could run a marathon under four. So I was training. Mm, like you were going to do that. Like I was going to run it. So I'm, you know, I'm averaging a, under a nine minute mile pace. And I, the farthest I got, I think was like 14 miles before I almost completely collapsed. And I was yeah. like, so three weeks before the marathon, I had to completely redo my training. Yeah. And I realized I got to drop this down by almost a minute to 90 seconds to make this happen. Yeah. And my wife dealt with me being a complete spaz. Uh, so wait, I, you're three weeks out and you just get home. You're like, nope, not happening. I, I literally <laughs> just had this proclamation moment where I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I, I, I'm an idiot. I, I've bitten more, bitten off more than I could chew. I've told too many people about it. Like I couldn't back out quietly. So it was kind of one of those things. And it just, my wife, who's a wonderful, calm person told me to just kind of buck up after I'd stopped feeling sorry for myself and, and kept going. But it was, you know, I laughed the, the day that, uh, my, I, I originally wasn't going to tell anybody. And then my family caught wind of it. And all of a sudden slowly, everybody started coming out and saying they're going to be there. And I, again, I was like, God, I've told too many people. <laughs> oh man, what if I don't finish? And so the, the, you know, go through all that whole process. And so here's the thing I wanted to ask about. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like the debate, right? When you're set a giant goal like that. Yeah. And the debate really is, do you tell people or not? 
because there's the whole thing where it's like if i tell someone i'm going to do this i get validation by their response so if i'm like hey i'm gonna go run a marathon me saying that they're like oh my gosh that's so awesome and that's what you want and you're yeah. like oh they're like proud that i'm gonna run a marathon oh for sure and then you're like well i don't have to run the marathon i got what i wanted i got the validation but then on the other side of it is if I tell people and now they're coming out or whatever, yeah. now I feel like I have to. Oh, now yeah. I have like money in the game. Is that an expression? Oh, yeah. Money in the game for sure. Money in the game. <laughs> money on the game. I don't know. I, I nailed yeah. it. I nailed that expression. Crushed it. Yeah. We can totally. add it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I got stakes. Yeah. On the table. For sure. <laughs> I don't know. Ego becomes a hell of a thing during this process. Yeah. Like, so for you, yeah. did you, I mean, it sounded like you felt both sides of that. I would say no, Okay. but I'm a liar. So it's one of those things where like, I, I definitely find more gratification through my own conscious as far as like, accom like accomplishing certain goals. But did I mention it because I wanted people to be like, man, I could never do that. Like, of course you're going to get like a huge pat on the back and sense of self and all that kind of things. But I, I that's what I love about running is it's, I'm not going to win. I laugh. My, my niece and my daughter who are about the same age were like, you going to win. I was like, no, absolutely. I love not. that kid say that. Yeah. That's the best. My, uh, I ran with this guy. In Iowa, the last big race I did, which was like a long time ago now. Yeah. Dang, so crazy. I needed to sign up. You're right? Uh, it was it was 100K, yeah. so 66. But Still. <laughs> I'm, but I was with this guy running, and uh, I can't remember his name. He was so funny. Uh, his family passed him in the car. Yeah. And his kids yelled out, like, are you winning? And he's like, yep, I am. <laughs> and then he turns to me. He's like, that's what they're going to go back and tell their teachers. Oh, yeah. He's like, they're they're going to go tell their teachers. Dad won an ultra marathon. And I don't have to correct it. Yeah. <laughs> and as a teacher, when you get when kids tell you that things, your response every time is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. And But no, I mean, like I said, it's running for me is a, like it's so weirdly personal. And it's so like, I've been as somebody that l I love being alone ever since I was a little kid. So yeah. like being alone and doing things on my own are awesome. I love it. And so this just running came naturally. So like during the training process for anything, it just kind of became, my wife was really cool about it when I started freaking out. So like, this is your race. Yeah. What, like make it yours. And I was kind of like, <sighs> Okay. You know, kind of that thing. And, and so it was. And so, you know, my whole family comes out. My brother wasn't able to make it, but I've got nieces and I've got my parents and, and my sister made t-shirts and all these things. Oh, that's like, cool, man. These bright pink. And of course, all of a sudden the night before they they, she literally had cutouts of my face on sticks <laughs> and signs were being made. And I'm like, in my brain, I'm like, Oh God. All right. But the morning of, I laugh. I got up super early and my wife drove me and I just kind of sat silently and she goes, you got this? And I'm like, I got no other choice. Yeah. And she dropped me off right by the Natural History Museum like road and that was closed off and I just hopped out and then my, my wife joked, my wife Carrie just goes, you were like a kid going to school. Like on the first day where you just said, like nodded at me, said, I love you and then got out of the car and walked across a field 
looking for friends looking for friends and i got to the start line and i'm like looking around and i'm like i'm with my group and you have to say what you think you're gonna finish yeah and i think i did like you it's 10 minute increments and i I did like four hours and 20 minutes or four hours and 30 minutes somewhere around in there and so as i'm standing there i didn't realize there were pacers and all that all that jazz and so i'm just kind of standing there and i'm stretching and i'm like do i you know What's this going to be like? I got to control the energy, the, the endorphins and the energy. And then this, this older, older dude, I'm not going to say old dude, but older dude in a blue shirt. And he's got, they lost the signs for the pacers. So they had to make their own. So there's this make this little, little guy. I don't mean to, you know, deprecating or anything like that but he he's like five four and they have to hold like a big sign and he's got a sign that says and i i don't i'm sorry for the the reference but it made me laugh a 420 sign four hours and 20 minutes and so all of a sudden he goes i'm a pace and he explains the whole thing and i was like yeah i'm i'm sticking with you (laughs) and there turned out like as we got started you know we're going easy and he's coaching us and and the the gun goes off and you're just kind of like no turning back and so you start and the first mile was super slow and everybody it's silent but you just hear footprints yeah it's it is weird because people aren't at least at the beginning no one's talking no one's talking and you're in beginning. a ma- i mean this is a big race in denver yeah sixteen thousand people do the 10 mile the relay yeah all that stuff there were 1100 people in the marathon yeah but it was just silent and i was i had headphones and i i didn't listen i hardly listen to music yeah which i I normally always do. And so we start going and all of a sudden there's a crew of about 30 of us. And then after about eight miles, it's down to like, I don't know, 15 of us. And then that crew stayed together until like mile 20. And then, but you know, all of the jokes that you can hear about 420 and that kind of a thing I thought was hilarious. My family was all yelling at me and that sort of a thing. And when did you see him? Uh, mile, I saw him at Sloan's, so that was mile eight through eleven. So it essentially is that avenue goes twenty six miles, right? Like you're not repeating any part, or what? You one hundred percent are repeating. I, oh, you it are. Was, it was great, but it you run from like City Park to Lakewood and back. Oh, and you go back. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I didn't know that. So you start, you go in City Park, you hit West Colfax, yeah. you go down, and then you're along um, the Colorado. Wait. What's the creek that runs through Denver? Yeah. Is that the Colorado? We'll go with it. We'll go with it. Geography (laughs) teacher, I should probably know. But you run along there, then you go through like mile high, out through mile high, and then you go up, you're back on Colfax, and then you go around Sloan's, and then you go through Lake, all this stuff. Do you go by Casa Bonita? 100%. And if you didn't think that the (laughs) jokes were flowing, because at that point, like you you find your crew. Yeah. And like it, it, Everybody was laughing and joking. Yeah. And from mile two until 18, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> so bad. And finally, like, you're going through and I'm fi- you get to a half marathon. And then all of a sudden, like, I think I was at, like, mile 15. I'm like, I've never ran this far in my life. Yeah. Every foot is a no- step is another. And all of a sudden, I see a, a completely deserted row of porta-potties. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> and I I go and I hit that I do my thing and then it takes me like two miles to get caught back up to my to oh, my crew yeah. and that is what kind of killed me and what you and uh, you're trying to speed then you're thrown off the pace you, I didn't go nuts I knew I couldn't and then as you told me as our our good friend Chris uh, Cornejo at school told me 
Um, at mile 20, everything sucks. Yeah. And I remember hitting mile 20 and being like, my legs hurt. Yeah. My knees hurt. Everything hurts. And all of a sudden, our crew of about 14, 15, just everybody's kind of a, every, um, every man for themselves. Yeah. And, you know, certain people are like, I, I got to slow down. The The worst part is mile 17 until the end. No. Mile 21 until the end. You run up 17th okay. in downtown. And so you come off of the, the river, the creek, whatever we want to call it. And you're just running uphill Ooh. at a gradual incline oh. through downtown Denver. <laughs> and, you know, they're trying to keep traffic under control. I almost got hit by a car because I was by myself. Like, you look around and I'm like, there's nobody around me right now. And I think I'm winning. I, I, oh, my God. <laughs> and I, the cops didn't see me, so they let cars start coming through. And I, like, almost got – I'm so like, – <sighs> <sighs> And I almost get hit. And I was just like, thanks, guys. And, the, and I, I get up the hill on 17th. And I see all of a sudden I get up the hill. And I see my buddy George and his boyfriend. And I give, and we call him Bear. And I give him a big hug. And that kind of gets me going. And you know you hit a level of exhaustion. I had uh, the arm sleeves for warmth and whatnot. And I drop one. And this woman comes up from the side and she's screaming at me. She goes, you dropped this, you dropped this, you dropped this. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> like trying not to pass out. And it's my arm sleeve and it's about 10 yards behind me. Yeah. And I took a step and it's I go, too far. I go, no, I no, it's too far, and I, too far. And I go to the running gods. I turned around and I just kept slogging through. And so like, I was every step I take is farther than I've ever gone. Exactly. I, was <laughs> I like, can't go back. It, uh, like literally I like I've never had that moment of like it's right there. No, I'm not doing it. And I turned around and I kept running and you know I finished and the cool thing was is right at the fit my family was waiting for me and right as I was getting onto the last one, one of the guys from my group that we were running with runs up behind me and just yells 420 and slaps me on the on the butt as hard as he can. He's like, finish strong you know kind of that sort of a thing he's like, and I was like, all right. And so we get in about 100, I don't know, 70, 100 yards from the finish. My daughter and her cousin run out. And yeah. and I laugh because I like gave high fives. But then they they run me to the finish line, which was super sweet. Yeah. But I did not want to supervise children. I realized how <laughs> far we had gotten away from family and that we crossed the line. They give me my own. I see people passed out in like kiddie pools of ice. And that's all I wanted to do was just go lay down in a bucket of ice. And then my daughter and cousin are asking for medals and they're asking for snacks and they're asking for all of the recovery stuff that racers get. And they're just, Cause there's at that point, six and seven. And I'm like, girls, girls, stop. Girls, stop. Like, I ran 26. You ran 50 feet. That was exactly right. <laughs> I, I had no filter and they go, why don't we get medals? And I was like, cause you didn't finish the race. And then my, <laughs> cut, and then my, my niece who's way smart just goes, did we cross the finish line? And I was like, I don't have the time to argue semantics right now, but well played. And so, you know, you finish and, and uh, I laugh. They give you two free beers and I had no interest. I was mm -hmm. like, I just want to go home no. and I just want to sit down. Yeah. And it was good. But I mean, that was like, like we were talking about, like that, that sense of accomplishment for me, it was just like all of that nonsense that I had built up and all of that crap was just gone. Yeah. And I laugh people like, you going to do it again? No. 
absolutely. But now I have the itch to do another race. I I, I won't do Colfax probably, but I think next October trail marathon. I would do a trail marathon in a heartbeat because I prefer trail running versus road running. I, I'll probably do Twin Cities. Okay. Back in oh, Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. It's one giant loop around, yeah. and it's supposedly gorgeous, and it's not at altitude. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we'll look at that. But it was like I said, running is just it. Um, what you and I both talked about without limits, right? The Prefontaine. So. I th- well, I actually have never seen it. Oh, I know, Chris. I know. Well, we've got a game plan uh, for. All right, so that it, two ninety nine on Amazon rental. I'll just put it there. But there's right. Donald Sutherland plays Bill Bowerman, and I, 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 one of my assistant coaches in high school, his name's Bruce Mortensen. He ran uh, with Prefontaine and and w- was coached under Bill Bowerman and all of these things, and so uh, he actually gets a shout out in the movie. But there's a line in there. Uh, um, and it's written by a runner, also a Bowerman runner named Kenny Moore. And I believe Kenny Moore. I hope he's I the writer of the movie. He's the writer of the movie and the book, the um, the Men of Oregon, the Bowerman story that okay. I, I was telling you about. But anyways, Southern Donald Sutherland has this great line as Bill Bowerman is talking about like find meaning in your running. Yeah. And I like since I was like sixteen and I saw that movie for the first time, I was like, yeah, you just like. For me, it was such a personal experience. I mean, I bawled. Like I got done. I when I had a moment to myself, I just started crying. Yeah, and it was just an unbelievable experience. And you know, my my you know, I, I finished in four hours, thirty five minutes, and twenty three seconds. I will have that ingrained in my brain forever. <laughs> and it wasn't near what I wanted originally. It, it didn't matter, and it, it's still to this day something I look back on in pictures and you know, talking with you and getting ready, going back and looking at my training and the notes that I had written and like the self doubt that I'd had. And then you just like to struggle is so great. It is. And it's just, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I could, I could go on and on and on, but it was something that I will never forget. And if I never run a marathon again, that's fine. My new running goal is not necessarily a marathon, but I want to run my sister-in-law has a house in Frisco, like right on I-70. Yeah. And I want to run from there to Breck. Oh yeah. And that's like, I don't know, 13 or 15 miles, but it's at 9,000 feet. Yeah. And it's kind of, you want to ramp those feet up with me? We can do the 10 mile range. We can do it. You go up to the top. Yeah. And then you go across peak one and two, and then you go all the way to Breck on top. Oh, I, and apparently there's a pretty like, actual like set trail there after the first two peaks the first two peaks are a bit of like what you'd get on a 14er i you know i'd be down i like i said i am all right man you gotta find you gotta find new challenges i mean at our you know i've always wanted to do that ever since moving out i'm like i need to do the 10 mile range like on top it would be i would be more than i would be totally down for that And, and that's what i mean i i think about something my grandmother said you know she lived to like 97 she goes, you got to have something that you're looking forward to or you're working towards. Yeah. And I was kind of just like, wow, that's cool. I just figured retirement enjoy. Like, and so for me, it's like, I have to find physical yeah. tasks to do. Dude. I'm, yeah. We were, uh, that reminded me of, uh, I was in Iowa city and it had flooded when I was in college and we just went out, me and my roommates were like, let's help some people out. 
and sandbagged. Yeah. And I grew up on the Mississippi River. My dad had a house on the river. Mm-hmm. So I was used to sandbagging. I knew what I was getting into. Uh, just a day of shoveling sand and yep. tying the thing and then throwing it on something. Yeah. Uh, but we get down and we we get down to this area that's starting to flood all these people's houses and things. And we start shoveling sand into the bags, just helping. And this guy comes up and he has to be like 92. Yeah. And he's just helping us too. Yeah. And we're talking with him. And I'm like 21. So like you don't think about it at Not 21. At mm-hmm. And he was just like, I I asked him kind of the same thing. I'm like, what, like, what brought you out here? You know, like, you know, I didn't want to say it, but I'll, you know, in my mind, I'm like this, you're super old. <laughs> like you're old. How you're, are you going to live? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And he was just like, Hey man, like once you stop moving, you're just going to stop. Yeah. Like you, you aren't going to be able to start again. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I'll always remember that with me. Like, yeah. Always. It's, it's insane. But I will say it. So I've, I'm sure you've heard of this marathon. If you ever go to Minnesota. Yeah. The one in Duluth is supposed to be like one Gra- of the best ones. Grandma's. Grandma's. Speaking of grandma's. Oh, yeah. Grandma's it's- Marathon Duluth. And I've never been to Duluth, but I'm like, I think that one would be pretty cool. You, you run. I know that one well. I've never ran it, but I've, I know people who have. That would be another one I would definitely do because yeah. that's a spring marathon. Is um, it? Okay. I think that's usually in May or June. And you run the old North Shore Highway. Okay. And so it's this old two-lane highway that goes right along Lake Superior. So you run from – I should know this. You are a I, Minnesotan. I, I, I am. I'm quizzing you as a Minnesotan. Oh, my mom would be so disappointed in yeah. me right now if I can't remember. I'm Not, just going to throw Minnesotan terms at you. Ready? St. Cloud. <laughs> uh, That's a little – I, I can't remember the name. but Northern you, Pike. <laughs> muskies. Uh, <laughs> walleye. Uh, no. But you run from this one city, you know, you're on the highway and you, yeah, you just run yeah. into the center of Duluth and I, that's one of my favorite cities that's for sure. Cool. Um, Juicy no, Lucy. Oh. oh, Juicy. Don't get me started. <laughs> you got to go. Everybody says Matt's Bar is where it's at. It's the 5-8 Club. It's, that's the best spot for you. But no, it, it's, it is beautiful and it's, um, it, it, it's just, like I said, whether you're, wherever you're running, whether, whatever race you're doing, it's yeah. just... It's awesome. I loved it, and I I will eventually keep building those goals. But yeah, it was unlike anything, and it was kind of going back to your original question when people were like, "God, I couldn't believe you did that." Like, yeah. of course, yeah, it felt good. Yeah. But for me, it was really more of a I did it. Like I I truly am that. Like there are certain things that I just celebrate myself, and I don't say a lot to people, and that's just kind of one of those things where if I never ever do another race i can say i did that yeah and that's what i always wanted to to be that's something i've said since i was like 16 or 17 and then i was like run a marathon before you're 40 that's cool so yeah that's so cool man and there's like it's just funny because people will see that you finished they'll see the pictures all that yeah um but they won't be there with you in the moments where it like really hurts and it's really hard Mm -hmm. and your arm sleeves on the ground you're like it's gone yeah it's too far to the winds. Yeah, yeah. But they're never there for those moments. No. And that's really what you take away mm-hmm. like with you for the rest of the time. Oh yeah. Like honestly, Th- there are weird, like little physiological things too, where like you have to eat. That was the best advice you gave. <laughs> oh really? Like, cause I was like, you, you my eat. advice was terrible. Cause I was just like, yeah, dude, you just eat and then just keep going. Yeah. Hey, try. 
direct and straightforward. <laughs> you know I don't do well with otherwise. I'll give you a long-winded nonsense talk. I like the the straight up advice though. But it what but you're like find something that you can you like and I was like I don't know, I forcing myself to eat and anything sweet yeah was disgusting. Yeah. I had I I had another friend who was like, "Yeah, just bring salt packets with you." Yeah. And I was like, "What?" Yeah. She goes, "Yeah, salt packets." And I remember the day before I go to a 7-Eleven and I was like, they're like, what are you in for? I was like, Gatorade. And I like picked up a few Gatorades. And then as I was walking by the hot dog rollers of forever, <laughs> I just like grabbed a fistful of like salt packets and like put them in my pocket. And then all of a sudden I would have like, you know, the little gummies and it would be so gross. So I'd like pop gummies and then like take like two salt packets and like hit the salt packets. Cause the sweetness was so disgusting and I wanted to spit it out. And it was just kind of, I'm like, I don't tell you about this when you're about to go, like when you're doing a marathon and like the gel packets. Yeah. They're pretty, oh. they're pretty gross. And, and Cornejo, I still laugh. He's like, I see paydays. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, man, peanuts and caramel. I, yeah, I, I, I had a pot. I had a, my pouch in my pack was full of salt packets, like little energy gummies and a bunch of paydays. And it was just like, my mother-in-law thinks that's my favorite candy and she will bring like four over at a time every once in a while. She goes, I yeah. never knew you like these. And I look at them now. Are you like, like too polite to say? Oh, I love, uh, now I'll eat them again. But at first I was just like, don't, don't, don't. They're so gross. I can't, I can't ever eat those again. Like they're... what's the best uh, candy bar side note? Oh, it's Halloween week. Eat Snickers. Yeah. Yeah. You're correct. The, yeah. I, the, I, it was put to me by a guy in Alaska. Uh, Random, ta- uh, we were, my brother and I were kayaking with this dude and he's like, it's the original power bar. And I was like, that's the best way of putting it. Uh, oh, and, oh, it's the original. I got yeah, it. Snickers are the original yeah. power bar, that sort of a thing. And yeah, since then now it's like, it I is. Guess, yeah. I mean, all the other stuff I'm like, yeah, it's sugar and there's a little bit of protein because mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. It has peanuts. Yeah. Give me a Reese's Pieces, not Reese's Pieces. Uh, you, you give me a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I'm Dude. not going to say no to that. So we talked on Mondays with our student yeah. or with all of our students. We asked them like, what was your, what's your favorite Halloween candy? Because it was Halloween. And we went around and stuff. And a couple kids said their least favorite was Reese's. And I was like, get out of my classroom right now. No, but I said mine was Reese's. And guess what? I've been getting all week. Just Reese's? They've just all come up to me. They're like, Mr. Ward, I don't like Reese's. I'm allergic. Whatever. Here you go. Take all of mine. And they, I have like four bags in my drawer of Reese's. That's amazing. And I keep eating them. Even though I keep, I start the day like, you know, I'm not going to eat any Reese's today. And then I get halfway through the day. I'm like, I'm definitely eating like You're like, I'm a middle school these. teacher. I'm yeah. Just, I'm <laughs> yeah. need some feelings right now. Yeah. yeah. All the kids are eating candy. I'm also eating candy. I'm yeah. like, I, f- I feel you guys. Oh, for sure. I yeah. was, I'm not going to lie. Part of me was like, yeah. And you know, I told them that Reese's were my favorite. You know what they brought me? A bunch of almond joys or like <laughs> something like that, where it's just like, oh, hey. That's another least favorite that they had. And I'm like, you guys are wrong. You're just wrong about it. It has coconuts and almonds. What, else, what more do you need? I, I can't do it. I laugh. Andrea. Oh, you gets, like it? Andrea would get an almond joy, my daughter, and all of a sudden, like while we were trick or treating on Monday, she would look at, she would look down, and she was polite. She didn't say like no, thank you, because I was, I would have flipped out if she did that. But all of a sudden, she just goes, she takes the almond joy out of her bucket and goes here and hands it to Carrie because Carrie loves coconut, and she's just like, this is gross, and I'm just kind of like. That's my yes, girl. That's my Padawan yeah, right there. So yeah, but yeah, that's 
They also said Twizzlers they don't like, and I'm like, you guys are confusing me. Well, then the question as I got kids because I got posed the question: Red Vines or Twizzlers? See, I had Red Vines once, and I liked the I liked them, but I yeah. feel like they were fresh. Yeah, I'll give you that. The and freshness of licorice is a huge. Yeah, and yeah. they were really fresh because then I had them again a few months later, and they were like stale. Yeah, that, not as good. But if you had to pick Twizzlers or Red Vines, I mean, I've, Twizzlers do? have been a part of my life for much longer. Okay, yeah, that's so my. Maybe I'll go with that. That's my go-to movie choice. You got it. I have to have. That's Twizzlers. our hike. Me and Lindsay, if we're on a hike, we'll bring Twizzlers. Yeah, and then uh, sometimes if we're on a hike and we're not going very far, it's not a serious hike. Yeah. Water bottle of G and T. What's the point if you don't have a reward at the top of where you're going? Like, I, I remember we my first fourteener I hiked. We got to the top and we had a couple cans of beer, and the, this lady came up to us and she goes, "That's the greatest idea I've ever seen." I'm like, "You're like seventy. How have you not had How, this idea? It, why are we hiking? Like, if we're not gonna give ourselves some sort of food reward when we get to the top, like, dude. Speaking of food reward, real quick. Yeah. Uh, I was working in aid station, uh, in at this race in Eagle Mountain Rats. All right. And uh, I was at the aid station. They went through twice. So I think at one point, the second time they went through was a marathon. There was okay. like the end of the marathon. Yeah. And these ladies all come up to the aid station. And they just look at each other and they like all had cool shirts and stuff. Like they were obviously all together. Yeah. And they're like, just like nodded. They like made eye contact and then nodded and yeah. reached in their bags and got out like McDonald's double cheeseburgers. Oh, absolutely. Freezing cold. Probably. Gosh. They're like, we got these last night. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they're just eating. And they, I bet they tasted amazing. <laughs> like amazing. That's, that makes me happy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, it's, there's a kid. Oh. What's up? Yeah. Oh, they're on top of the refrigerator. Give me a few minutes, okay? Get off the shed. <laughs> I was, I'm not going to lie. When I heard the door open, I heard a voice. I couldn't distinguish it from my daughter. And I'm like, which blonde child is it? Like, <laughs> Here's the question, Seth. Do they? It's on top of the refrigerator. They yeah. can't reach it. Mm -hmm. yeah, they can't reach the Cheez-Its. Yeah. Do they build like a human pyramid type situation? And try to reach it, and then everything comes off. That's the question. I, you know, I would think you would go for the chair approach first to try and mm, like make the step ladder. That's smart. I mean, my child's a giant, so it's one of those <laughs> things where she, she, I'm sure, will be more than happy to sacrifice herself in the name of Cheetos. She <laughs> love God. That kid loves to eat. So, if we hear a massive crash and then that's a scream, what's, that's what's gonna happen. And then we have to just end it right here. Then we know. Yeah. Then we'll we'll be at the. Uh... Um, urgent care together. Mm -hmm. It'll be a bonding experience. It, what could go wrong? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do want to ask about rugby. Yes, sir. Because when I first started working at our school, uh, our assistant principal shows up mm -hmm. and I'm doing the interview and he has a, a black eye. Yeah. Right where you get it in rugby. And it never goes away. It's as the long same as you're spot. Mm -hmm. It's like under the eye. It's yep. not like connected to that. It's like a cheek. It's like a black it's, cheek. I had that. I had the cat. It looked like I had the, the mm. like, the, I don't know if it, the cat makeup. Yeah. I guess that's what this or the Cleopatra. I would yeah. always have that. Yes. But I definitely, the amount, I would show up to school all the time with a black eye. And I've had that too. And I, I remember when he walked out, he instantly was like, I'm in rugby just so I, wasn't like 
I guess, weirded out or whatever. Just so you don't think that your new vice principal is He's a street like, fighter? Getting, yes, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bare knuckle boxer. Mm-hmm. Um, and But I was so mad at myself because I was like, I bet. That, in my mind, I'm like, I bet that's from rugby. And mm-hmm. I, sh- I was like, I should have said. Oh, yeah. Do you play rugby? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, you guys ended up being on this. You played for the same team, but not at the same time. Yeah, we played for the same club. I played, so you'll laugh. I was not allowed to play contact sports as a kid. Yeah. So like, I should have played football. Our football coach tried to recruit me as an old school fullback. And my mom was like, nah. <laughs> I was a catcher in baseball all through high school, yeah, up until high school. And so my knees were shot. My mom's like, nah, you're not going to be, you're not playing Old football. school fullback is the position. Yeah of football it's what's your job hit people they're just like run full speed into that yeah mass of people yeah and that's what you do fill the hole like yeah. you're you're opening the hole for yeah. everybody and so, i remember i interviewed a fullback for this podcast oh that's and i was so excited because i'm like this is like the best fo- football position oh Hands yeah down. i i can't remember who it was an old viking fullback Leon, something Leon, but he just goes, you need, you need two, I'll get you three. You need five, I'll get you three. And I was always <laughs> just kind of like, yes, I get you. But anyways, so I, you know, go through college. I, I sang in an acapella group of all things and I'm, I'm going to get there. And how'd I, you get into rugby? I, that's exactly, it was acapella. So my, my buddy who was in the acapella group, I was living with him at the time and he's a couple years older than me. He played D2 football for like a little bit. And he's, his name's Eamon, and he talks like Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> and he's one of the nicest guys in the world. And he comes out of his room one day, and he goes, I am thinking about playing rugby. <laughs> and I was like, all right. He goes, I checked out a couple clubs, and I'm going to go have, a, have a, a run with these guys. All right. It was the Denver Harlequins. Yeah. And so we, went, we learned the basics of touch rugby, and it, we've learned at the, after the fact it was kind of a club that was about to fold. And so myself and a bunch of other like new recruits came in, and I, my first game I played, I should have gotten a red card, but the dude was super cool. I did, I panicked, and like I just hit a dude and like tackled him, not like punched him. Didn't even have like the that. ball. Didn't have the ball. <laughs> I did Can, the same thing my first game. Yeah, I was I, used to football. I ran up and like straight up pancake block somebody i i i literally turned and saw a dude standing by himself and just speared him and like <laughs> and he, he was i i i'm not gonna lie i heard him and he was super cool i and that's the thing about rugby that you love after the match so the I, guy you hit was cool he was cool I, if it was me i would have been i would have just stomped myself out and i did i it was like jail i looked for the biggest dude and i just went for him and after the match, I'm sitting and drinking a beer with them. And he's just like, look, man, first game, I get it. I did something too. My, my roommate got kicked out. Or se- he got a red card or second match because same thing. He he didn't know he couldn't hit people in the air. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When, yeah. Yeah. When but they it, jump up. You know, it's funny. So we spent the spring and then in the, our coach was named Steve. I can't remember his last name. He's from Glasgow. You could barely understand the man. <laughs> All he would do is cuss you out and tell you what to do. And he converted me from a back into a forward. They tried ma- making me an inside center. That was my position. And they were like, I was like, I, I just, I, don't give me the ball. Don't give me the <laughs> inside ball. Inside and outside center alike. I was described because me and my dad went back. Uh, I went to a Iowa football game this yeah. weekend. But we went to the rugby match first, which was so nostalgic because yeah. like, the field I played at. Is it the same pitch? Oh, yeah. Nice. All of it. Except now there's like stands. Mm-hmm. But it's only like three. Yeah. 
It's like three stands. But I'm like, oh, and there was like a lot of people. There was more people there, it seemed like. Yeah. But I was trying to just, it was kind of cool because my dad had gone to a bunch of my games, but he didn't know what was going on. Yeah. But I got to sit down by him and be like, explain like what's happening. Yeah. And I explained inside and outside center. I'm like, they're kind of like the running backs. Sort yeah, of. for sure. Like they're, they're not going to kick it much. They're, they're going to make some passes, but mostly they're kind of like the running backs. They're, here. they're power backs. It's yeah. like a Derrick Henry. If you're yeah. going to do a football. Yeah, football exactly. Like big dudes that can yeah. carry the ball and hit hard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I laugh are, are in Colorado. I don't know if it's still the case. Um, the only place in the world that I heard of, again, correct me if I'm wrong, that plays full 15s in the summertime, since normally you play sevens, seven on seven instead of 15 on 15, is the Mountain League. So it's like Vail and Steamboat Springs and Breckenridge and Aspen and Glenwood Springs. And so our coach Steve was like, boys, you're going to come up to Vail where I coach in the summer and you're going to learn how to play. And we're kind of like, all right. And so myself and like four other guys drove up three days a week to Vail and I got absolutely destroyed. We were like, there were like five Americans on the team and we had guys from the Kenyan national team. We had our scrummy was this angry little South African, very faft de clerk esque. We had our, you know, guys from Ireland, Scotland, our, our hooker, our backup hooker was this insane Scotsman who chain smoked cigarettes on the sidelines under with a hooded sweatshirt. And when he got in, you just see him put out the cigarette or no, he would pinch it. So he wouldn't waste it <laughs> and then put it in his shoes. And then after the match, he'd go and relight it. Like it was, it was a awesome group of guys. <laughs> and I, I didn't play a minute. I didn't play a minute of game time. I remember I put on an extra Jersey and our coach looked at me and he goes, take the Jersey off. You think you're getting playing time? You're running water. You know, that's, I I switched into an Irish accent right there, but I was like, okay. And I didn't play all. I was just cannon fodder for practice. There was no question when the whistle blew, are we going full? Yeah. Are we, are we going half? What are we doing? Yeah. And you, I just got, wrecked by all these funny talkers and that's what we call them the foreign players and they're like you know you're the the americans in the minority group on this team we're like mm-hmm. you're still in our country so you're the funny talk you know just as a joke you know because as you know in rugby you're just constantly giving each other a hard time oh yeah but yeah i i mean i just i fell in love it was so like i fun. found my sport oh yeah and even a shattered collarbone a blown out knee and a finger i only have 80 percent use in <laughs> It, all in six years, like every other year I had sustained a horrible injury and I didn't care. <laughs> and I just remember like being like, all right, let's do it. Yeah. And so, but there was nothing better than just three days a week. You get together and you'd voluntarily just car Run crash into each other. <sighs> and it makes you bond in a weird, in a weird way. Yeah. You know? Oh, it's total. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate team sport for me. And I just, I, I, I watch more rugby than I watch NFL. Like I, I watch the premiership in England. I, you know, I stream all the Ottoman internationals going on right now. I, I, I just obsessed, but I love skiing more. So I had to quit. Yeah. And, um, my collarbone is still all jacked up. I've shown you and one of those things, but I, I want to ski, but it's still, you know, what other sport do you just beat the living hell out of each other for 80 minutes and then 
whoever the home team is, you host that team yeah, at your it's pub. It's cool. It's really cool. And on the pitch, and I remember there was a dude who played for the Flamingos up in Fort Collins, and he had these huge dreads. And for whatever, he and I just hated each other when we played. He cheap shotted me, and I cheap shotted him, and we just went after each other. Yeah. And then we were inseparable. <laughs> when we were at the post drink up and we were just like sitting there and they're like, you guys hate each other. We're like, yeah, on the pitch, but we get each other and we hate each other, but we love each other. That's amazing. And it was just that thing. I just remember like he threw an elbow into my face one time and I rolled up on his ankle one time and like, no, like he yelled at me and I yelled at him. And yeah, another funny moment is not our current, vice principal who we or our admin who who Played was rugby. on my same yeah. club because we didn't play at the did same he do, time he was after i shed oh, yeah he was collar. after because he I, played when i got hired yeah i stopped playing in the f spring of 2013 and he joined the quins gotcha. in in the fall but uh, um the team i hated the the most was a club called glendale the the raptors and they've got the stadium and all that kind of stuff I, I was captain of our D3 team in our last season, and all of a sudden we're going up against Glendale, and I just we got banned from playing in their stadium and all this other kind of stuff that uh, I, we can go into. But <laughs> I remember they started throwing punches in the ruck, so we started throwing punches in the ruck. And he got up in my face, and I got up in his. He was captain of his team, and I was captain of my team. Yeah. And we're like grabbing onto each other's jerseys. And he's saying, stop throwing punches. And I said, you started it. We're going to finish it until you guys stop. And we're just yelling at each other. <laughs> and the next, like, it was like three weeks later, because this was in August. I started a new job at a high school. Yeah. And he's the vice principal. <laughs> and I look at him and I go, you play for Glendale? And he looks at me and he goes, Harlequins. And I just kind of go we got to work together. Like kind of like one of those things. And we got along great and we just trash talked each other all the time. But I was like, in no other sport, are you going to like literally be nose to nose grabbing somebody yeah, yelling at them to stop throwing punches. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, you're my boss. Now. <laughs> all right. Ahmed, you're a great guy, but I hate your club. And he goes, likewise, you know, kind of one of those things. So we, you know, it was fun. It's just, the traveling, the story, like the, 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 the socioeconomic background too. We had literally rocket scientists on our team yeah. and we had, you know, guys, you know, putting up drywall and there was no, you're all on the same team, it, equal playing. Like yeah. it just equalizes everybody. Cause you're just playing a sport together. Yeah. That's what sports do, man. Mm -hmm. That's why I love it. Yeah. Like once you're on a team and I miss that. I miss that feeling of being on a team with a group of dudes yeah, and all that, you know? Yeah. And that was really for me, like playing in college, that was my last time I had that team mm -hmm. mentality. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. I mean the, I remember the, my last season, my wife and I got married and the Alan, the guy, he owns the uh, uh, Irish Rover off Broadway. So if anybody listening and you're in Colorado, you might get an Irish pub, go, go to the, go tell him Alan or uh, say hi to Alan at the Irish Rover. <laughs> and he put in this new private pub and I was like, Hey Alan, you know, we're looking at having our, our, our um, engagement dinner. Like we, it's not a huge thing. And all of a sudden, yeah. And all of a sudden, like there's food for like, there were like 15 of us and there's like food for like, 80 people and i'm like alan he's like you're a rugger 
you're a Quinn. Yeah. This is yours. And I was like, oh my God, it's so much wasted food. <laughs> and then I, oh, sure enough, in the other part of the pub, I walk out and I see a bunch of Quins <laughs> sitting there and I go, hey boys, you hungry? Kind of one of those things. And so all of a sudden it turns into this like family engagement. And all yeah. of a sudden I've got all these r- rugby players that I love. Yeah. I'm like, eat up. Don't yeah. care. The open tab, Alan's hooking it up. Yeah. And all of a sudden it goes from like this, you know, like I said, uh, engagement dinner to a rugby party. Your wife's looking around. <laughs> Oh, what is happening? She knew when she, as she goes, she goes, yeah, I knew when to leave. She goes, I, I knew when like you would hit a certain bewitching hour and then the rugby players would just, she goes, nope, 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 nope. Kind of like one of those things. And, That's amazing. Uh, but you're man. right. The team, I mean, like when you were in Iowa, like what got, like, how did you get recruited into it? I played in high school. So oh, you did? Okay. my senior year of high school, we had gotten done with football and stuff and our club in Muscatine was Pearl City, and the like rich dude in Muscatine, mm-hmm. one of the Carvers. Right. Carver Hawkeye Arena is the basketball place for Iowa. Yep. The rich, the young, the youngest of them, or whatever. I don't know. He's probably not the youngest now, but he like had gotten obsessed with rugby. Yeah. Like traveling abroad. Yep. And so he ended up just basically getting all these dudes from like New Zealand and Fiji and Australia mm-hmm. to come in and play for Muscatine, Iowa. Yeah. Like tiny town. I know. Exa- and- I know that club. I have a guy. We, oh, really? Uh, we, we call them dirty Jesus. I came <laughs> from, uh, yeah. Came from Muscatine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and like my, they started a high school team mm-hmm. my senior year. And so we we're like, we're done with football. I was getting ready for like D3 football, but I was like, I'll do rugby. That sounds awesome. Yeah. And I remember the first practice just doing a tackling drill with my friend, Adam. And he just hit me on. It happened like once a year in rugby. I'd get hit on the nose in yeah. like the exact way that it was just like open a fountain of blood. Mm-hmm. And it just, I, he hit me and my nose opened up and it just bled all over my shirt, completely soaked with my shirt. Yeah. And afterwards, I walked over to my wife's house. Well, she wasn't my wife at the time. Yeah. But I walked over to her house covered in blood. And she opens the door and just looked at me. I'm like, rugby is the best. I know. It is the best. And and so then even like from there, from the next year playing at a small college for football, I remember in the middle of practice, I got to look over and see the girl rugby team at Wartburg College. Yep. And I was wait, like, wait, you played, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I played football at Warburg for a year. Okay. Sorry. I'll, if you I'll know come, that I'll we come played back. a bunch of Minnesota teams. Well, it's not my brother-in-law started there and then he played at Luther. So you guys, were, <laughs> you guys were in the IAC. He turned, he turned coat to the dark side. What, well, he was a decor boy. Oh yeah. So okay. he went home. Like, yeah. but okay. Sorry. But anyway, of, so yeah. I was just, I would look over at the girls playing rugby. I'm like, I think I'd rather be doing that. And then I had a bunch of, one of my best friends, Jake played, uh, for you, Northern Iowa's rugby team. Okay. And yeah. so then when I transferred to Iowa, I'm like, well, I'm for sure doing rugby. Yeah. And so I did that for like five more years. It was awesome, man. Do, do you find like the approach for rugby was similar to anything you'd done prior? What do you mean? In the sense of like either training or just the mindset. Like, cause it, for me, it's just, yeah. I never played football. So I like, I have nothing to really compare it to. It was different for sure. Well, one, it wasn't as serious. Okay. Which I liked. Yeah, for sure. So like in college, it was like two practices a week. We'd train together. Our practices in the winter were at midnight in the bubble. Because each club team had to like 
draw time and we got midnight to, midnight to 1 30 and then i had a class at like 7 30 the next morning that Oof. i never went to so i still don't know physiology at all because <laughs> i'm like i would get home and i would be hyped up to like 2 30 in the morning oh, yeah, i couldn't go to sure. sleep for sure and uh also it made me have a terrifying like fear of revolving doors Okay. Because there was the bubble. It was like this indoor oh, facility. All the air. The revolving door was super heavy, mm-hmm. like hardcore, yeah. thick. Yeah. And it, you're on the rugby team. So as people are leaving, they're pushing it as hard as possible. Mm-hmm. And every time I'd get in it, I'm like, if I fell and then my arm fell out, it would just snap into oh. and get cut off. Ooh, yeah. So now I'm passing my fear on to everyone. Now I'm like, anytime I'm in a revolving door, I'm like, I would... I was so afraid I was going to die every Hands time up. I went through. Hands up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it was amazing, man. And I, it's the same, like you said, like the whole like hanging out with the other team after the game, like that just doesn't happen in sports here no. in America. Like Never. it doesn't. I'm trying to think what sport that would happen. Maybe if you did like an individual sport and you were friends or acquaintances with yeah. the person you played, yeah, that might happen. But mm-hmm. a whole team just going hanging out yeah, after – also being really physical mm-hmm. and beating each other up yeah and then you're going to hang out that yeah. like just doesn't happen no i i agree with you like the end i like going back to like running and the endurance sports i you see that again but that's the individual aspect yeah there's a much there's that huge camaraderie where it's like yeah you beat me but at the same time like man didn't that race yeah. just crush yeah your it does soul? happen like, in running yeah yeah but, um but as we, to wrap up yeah I do want to hear about Courtney DeWalter in high school. Oh, I mean, like I said, I, I, I grew up across the street. I was just this like marshmallow of a kid. Yeah. That she I, was like I, a really good athlete. Oh yeah. She was. So, you know, I don't, you know, like I said, didn't know the DeWalter super great, but I was on the cross country and Nordic team. And so was she, I was, you know, this, like I said, marshmallow, just staying in sports. And I wasn't on varsity for anything or like for running at least. Yeah. But my favorite was is she had these white contacts that like made her look like a zombie or just whatever. And I remember I remember those those don't happen anymore, I feel like. Because I remember kids having those. And it, you would watch her put them in. Like she'd wear them during the day, but she would put them in races. And it was an intimidation factor. And I remember like what like looking on the line uh before the start, she would just like stare. <laughs> And she would just like stare down people. I, you know, I don't know if she did this all the time, but it was when you saw it in Nordic skiing because she was a great runner, but she was a better skier. Yeah. And I think that's what she came to DU for because okay. she, she got a scholarship and she, you know, her and, you know, I laughed. There were 10 people on varsity. I was the 10th guy because they needed somebody. Yeah. So I was like, great. But like so many of our men and women at my high school were went on to compete in like the Olympics for skiing. That's crazy. But she was the most, one of the most intimidating presence that you could, she just like any athlete that's that good. Yeah. They stand out and she could intimidate a lot of folk. Yeah. And uh, like <laughs> I said, it was kind of one of those things where it was just, you know, she would turn and look with her, you know, those, those, uh, lenses and i had not let contacts and it was just kind of like oh all right like i'm surprised nobody complained i'm surprised like nobody was just like you can't do that but she bugged with me i can't just contacts yeah i mean like i don't think i've yeah i haven't talked with courtney since high school like 20 years ago but i laugh we saw each other and like it was kind of that unspoken thing like 
you're, <laughs> you're in Colorado. You're still here yeah, too. Like that, yeah. that sort of thing. But no, you know, I kudos to that kid or that kid, that, that woman, because she's, yeah, that you and I have talked about it. Un, it's unreal. Yeah. Like she's transcended, um, the sport of ultra running really oh, yeah. like people who are outside of ultra running know who she is mm-hmm. and they've heard her like concepts about the pain cave yeah and at the same time she's super well liked like she's super oh, yeah. like it's it's she's definitely like transcended the sport but like everyone loves her in the yeah. sport she's, you know what i mean she's super nice yeah I'm, I'm not a big rogan joe rogan guy but like i listened and watched her interview yeah. and i i've listened to uh, other like endurance athletes and that sort of a thing. And he talks about how like, yeah, when you, she eats candy and yeah. drinks beer mm-hmm. and all these things, and you're like, well, yeah, like super down to earth. And like I said, haven't spoken to her in 20 years, but at the same time, it's kind of like, Hey, you are unlike anybody ever. <laughs> She's got her own shoe through Solomon. I saw <laughs> yeah. like when I was reading running oh, Rover's really? world, That's like, cool. That sort of a thing, the S lab, the new S labs yeah. that are out, that sort of thing. But it's just like, hey, like, that's cool, man. It's nice to see somebody who was just nice and didn't start stuff, but just worked hard. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, you, you, it, I couldn't even fathom. Yeah. Doing what she does. No, it's crazy. Yeah. I, it's like mind blowing, and she just wins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's the thing that, like you say, she transcends it. It's you're not talking about like men's divisions, women's divisions. No, it's just winning. she's just the one of the greatest ultra distance, oh yeah, masochist runners you've ever <laughs> met in your life. Like, and that like just props to her. And so you know, if I can glom on to her yeah. a little bit and just be like, hey, <laughs> hey. Uh, you know, I I knew her. Like uh, like, but again, she's probably like who, like like I'm sorry, but who's this? weirdo that keeps saying my name oh oh the kid who ate non-stop when we were in elementary school you know that sort of a thing I you know again self-deprecating because i don't want to make it sound like I, I i know her crazy well but no it's just that's amazing man yeah. well it's cool it's like hometown pride too oh yeah yeah for sure you're like, just like yeah. hopkins royals right there <laughs> that's, we got you yeah you that's, represent that's so. awesome man well dude thanks for doing this we only that dad interruption twice it's all good. One in, one was in tears, but just between my kids. It's I'm sure. And other, your daughter was up there, kind of just like, oh, she as an only child. Like, why am I playing with these kids? Oh, but that I mean, as an only child, it, I'm not gonna lie. I have no problem with her seeing that because I'm kind of like, you don't get it. Like you don't, <laughs> you're not dealing with competition, like in the sense of like a sibling. You don't you don't know and like, so for her, I'm just like, you like if anything, I'm just kind of like. You'll be fine. Someday <laughs> I'm gonna. These two are gonna go on a trip to the maybe the Boundary Waters or something. Oh yeah, and there'll be a bear, mm-hmm. and there'll be you. I will be like, oh, maybe you bonded, and they'll instantly be bickering about something stupid. Again. Oh, one hundred percent. Because that's what siblings do. Like I said, I'm forty or almost forty. My brother's older than me. My sister's older than me. My brother and I, my my wife and his wife will look at us because we still take so much pleasure in dead liking each other just punching each other in the quad as hard as you possibly can <laughs> and just watching them crumple to the ground. And they're like, you're adults. And we're like, but he's still my brother. <laughs> so, you know, children, that's all we are. Yeah. All right, man. Well, dude, thanks for doing this. Let's do it again. Absolutely, and let's run uh, the 10 mile race. Let's do it. Absolutely.
All right, that wraps up this week's episode. A uh, huge thanks to Seth for coming over after a, a busy work day on a Thursday and uh, sitting down and recording that conversation. Um, awesome guy. I, I work with the best human beings on earth, I'm pretty sure. Um, we have the greatest middle school staff in the history of middle school teaching so um great guy uh really enjoyed sitting down hearing his stories uh and i'm sure i'll i definitely want him back on the podcast at some point because we could talk for hours and hours and maybe if we go run the 10 mile range we will have uh some adventures to share uh, which would be great uh but yeah thank you all for tuning in to the episode this week um i know i talked last week i've been uh I got off social media for the month of November, probably going to extend it into December as well. Um, We're definitely going to record an episode at some point about it and like what the experience has been like, because it's been honestly really great in a whole bunch of ways. Uh, Definitely like gives me more time to like focus in on certain ideas and things like that. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely want to talk about that at some point. It is weird because, you know, when I think about spreading the word on the podcast and all that, I'm like, I now I have no idea. Like (laughs) my strategy before was just to kind of post about it on Instagram and stuff. But uh, but yeah, um, that will come along and we'll figure that out from there. But uh, so that's it for the week. Uh, hope y'all run some marathons. Hope you canoe the boundary waters or sign up for a rugby game. Uh, all those things are amazing activities, even though I hate canoeing. Um, but I like the idea of canoeing. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I actually like I'm sitting down there trying to like keep my back straight. Like, I just don't like sitting down. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe I love canoeing and I hate sitting down which basically is just stand up paddleboarding. I'm realizing right now saying it out loud, which I freaking love. I love stand up paddleboarding. So I just hate sitting down and canoeing. That's it. We cracked the code. We solved the mystery. Um, but yeah, do something fun, do something adventurous. I know it's starting to become winter. The days are shorter, temperatures colder, all of that, but you can still go out and try to find something that is like igniting your passion in life and, and, you know, keeping you out there experiencing everything uh, that this wonderful world has to offer. So yeah, that's it. Uh, We will get back at you next week.